Elliot was like, stay. And E.T. was like, come. Which is all, now that I know it's an old lady, I... It's really changed. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science of the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of your best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida. And this week's episode is on E.T. the Extraterrestrial. But first, did you just pop? Did you do a pop? What? (laughs) I I heard a pop. I don't know what's going on. I'm very tired. Maybe you've got that condition. You got that condition we talked about last episode with the ears popping. Yeah. Developing your FND. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, all right. Let's. We were just talking about my very high production value podcast recording I did for a university. It was so fancy. So. That's my academic news is that I did a podcast for the university. It was called PhD Raw. We get the real stories. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually amazing. Like I said some shit. They were like, they were like, how yeah. are you taking care of yourself now compared to PhD? And I was like, oh, in my PhD, I was not. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I said some shit so much so they had to put a trigger warning on the front of the episode <laughs> that's how <laughs> bad amazing. yeah and i was like yeah it was amazing there's some shit that i cannot say about that illustrates just how messy things were in the end of my phd yeah there's no way i could ever actually say that because it's it's so bad but anyway it has to do doesn't matter actually okay <laughs> but I won't. But it's but it's it's a good illustration of the exhaustion. But anyway, um, what's up with you and your science world? Oh, my science world is like mildly on hold at the moment. I'm so exhausted. Uh, so I've had to take a week mm. off because we are moving house. Uh, so we decided there goes the dog. She's angry at the door. Um, I don't know. Somebody walked past. I guess maybe there's a postman out there. Who knows? Um. Yeah, so we got a place, which is great, and we got the keys and everything, but, like, it just means we have to move within the next week, and I'm not prepared for it at all, so... Oh, um, my God. Everything's just a bit, you know, because, like, I just came off the back of three conferences in a month into um, trying to get everything kind of ready and get back into work to then straight into, oh, no, wait, now we're moving, and it's just a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I'm I'm quite tired and I feel a little bit stressed and and sick, anxious. My anxiety is killing me at the moment. Um, but yeah, also like just I don't know whether to talk. I don't know whether. Yeah. Well, sorry. I'm like a thing happened yesterday and I part of it was like, I don't know whether to talk about it or not. And I don't know whether you should cut this out or not when you get to the editing. But like, so I posted a video yesterday basically just kind of listing off a bunch of conspiracy theories and just being like, look, like these things aren't real. Just just stop. And I I have different approaches in how I deal with science communication and different methods of doing it. Because the thing is, nobody actually... Um, like, not, we don't all learn in the same way, right? And we don't all engage with content in the same way or or take notes in the same way. So... I just think you you do things in different styles. But somebody really came for me yesterday 
and I and okay. I allowed myself to engage with the comments which I shouldn't have. And the thing is, I always try to end up making it um, positive in the end. Even if even if there's a negative interaction with someone, before I block them, I try to end it in something a bit more rational. And with this one yesterday, there was just nothing I could do, like nothing I could do. And they ended up um, saying that because I'm studying at the University of Oxford, that I am part of the British imperialism and white supremacy and that um, I, uh, by by virtue of just being at the University of Oxford, it kind of negates my Irish heritage um, into me being a part of British imperialism and it got really wild and I, I got very upset and then they kept saying like oh I'm and then they said that um, I've been oppressed by British and Irish imperialism and I was like and I looked at their videos and I was like you're you're a white American woman what are you what are you talking about and then they got really upset because they were like they were like I'm not American and I checked their bio and I was like sorry you're Canadian and then they were like, that's stalking behavior. In the UK, that's stalking behavior. Searching my, my social media to find out where I live, that's stalking. And they called me a racist. They called me um, a narcissist. They called me um, a gaslighter. Like everything under the sun from an account that is all about astrology and tarot. It's always the spiritualists. It's always the people at the end of the day who claim to be spiritualists that are the most harmful, the most aggressive, the most insulting. Like I, I couldn't, I was, I was just there and I was like, you're like, they, they were saying you're being abusive. And they've said, they said like, I identified as a minority that has been harmed by British and Irish imperialism and you're blocking me. That's racist. And I was like, Oh my fucking God, lady, lady, you need to chill the fuck out. And like, learn a little bit about like and the and the thing is like at no point did they ever actually say anything about anything I said in the video being incorrect at the end of the day the only thing I can assume is there's somebody who believes in quantum healing and was annoyed that I said that it wasn't physics like that's the only rationality I, I, I can put for it but yeah. I like I just I'm sorry I was, I was very affected by it I was up really late I, I woke up really early I'm annoyed at myself that I allowed myself to be affected by it to this level but like we put ourselves out there as science communicators and I have to accept that sometimes the pushback is going to be uncomfortable. But it was hard. Yeah, I, I think there's a link between someone that can't be in a dialogue, like this mm. person is not is incapable of dialogue and that's somehow connected to their accepting pseudoscience like astrology and whatnot. It's yeah. the same thing. It's like I'm incapable of critical thinking. I'm incapable of engaging on a platform where there is a scientific method or sort of logic and reasoning behind your arguments. I reject all of that. I accept something that has none of that, which means I don't have to have any of that. I don't have to reject anything on a basis of logic and reason because I'm embracing all these other things. I think those things are somehow yeah. all connected. Yeah. I don't want to go on about this too much. We're here to talk about ET and have fun, but like it just, yeah, I need, I need some fun today. I need, I need my mood boosted back we'll up again. We'll give you so much fun. <laughs> I was really bummed mm. out. <laughs> yeah. 
You want to hear a good one? I've got a good one because Go on. there's somebody that there might, there's a person in my life who will not be mentioned for legal reasons who's a huge bully. And the last time I was just calling them a bully. And I was like, you're really being a, quite a big bully. And they may or may not be a lawyer but, um, who I can't, may or may not, allegedly. Um, I was like, you're being such a bully. Stop being such a bully. And so they said, you are being abusive for calling me a bully. And then screenshot the dictionary definition of abuse, one of which is to, you know, yeah. abuse. And the other one is to, to misuse something as in the abuse of alcohol. You are, you are wrongfully applying the word bully, which is an act of abuse. So you are being abusive. And I said, and I said, listen to this. This is, and I said, and he, and he said the court would agree. He, they, maybe it's a man, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> they said, allegedly, that, um, sorry, legal note, um, allegedly um, said, well, if we went to court, they would agree that you're being abusive. And I said, well, if we're talking about the misuse of the word bully makes me abusive, right? I've misused the word bully and I've abused the word bully. Not you. I'm an abuser of the English language. <laughs> Not of you. By that definition. I was like, see? Get me on the stand. I can play the semantics all day long. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Amazing. An abuser of the of the English language. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Guilty as charged, Your Honor. Lock me up, throw away the key. Okay, that is perfect. Anyways. That is perfect. I love it. Let's okay. talk about eating. <laughs> All right. Woo! I'm so excited. We had a good, we had a lovely childhood movie. I could not get Raph to watch it because I was like, I'm going to watch it. He was like, no, I'm going to watch it. He's like, no, no. And then I, in the next, and the next day I was like, you should have watched it with me because we were riding our bikes and I was like, you know, there's a whole bit about bikes. And they're riding their bikes and running away from the bad people. He was like, who's the bad people? And I was like, the government. And then I was like, actually, I'm not going to tell you what happens. Yes. Because I want it to be a surprise. Good. Like, what happens? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Okay. E.T. Steven Spielberg, the king of all the Jews, brought us E.T. And here's my summary. He's the Messiah. What movie captures childhood like E.T.? Middle child syndrome, a nuisance to the older brother and friends, not as cute and beloved as the little sister, estranged from his father, Elliot is stuck in the middle of family turmoil with no one to see him. But Elliot stumbles upon a lost alien who sees him and his life changes. But as the saying goes, if you love someone, set them free. And Elliot knows E.T. needs to go back where he belongs with his own people. Even though E.T. is gone, Elliot's family is left stronger than ever. I'll be right here. (laughs) And that is a little tidy summary of E.T. because we're going to talk way more about the movie right now. Starting with Abby. Tell me, <gasps> did you did you enjoy this movie? I did enjoy did you this like movie. It? Can I tell you something? Um, yeah. So, I'm not sure I've ever seen it before. <laughs> like, I mean, I had to have, right? As a kid. Like, yeah, I had no to way. have seen it. 
But literally watching it was like watching like aside from all the scenes that we all know, like oh, I'll be right here. He's in the closet with the teddy bears. He's dressed like when the when the girl dresses him up. Uh, the bikes of the moon, like loads of things like that. But there was everything else. I was like, I don't what what <laughs> this is not familiar to me at all. So I genuinely have questions about whether I have ever seen it before. This, hap- this has happened with a lot of the movies we've rewatched from a childhood. Yeah. Haven't you noticed that? It's like we remember select things. And we don't remember a lot of the darker stuff or the, yeah. the subplots. So it's like, did, have I blocked it out and I've just not watched it since childhood? Or did I literally never see it as a kid? I honestly don't know. But like, I know it. I know I know E.T. ingrained in my brain. I know E.T. But <laughs> watching it yesterday, I was like, um, <laughs> I don't remember like, these what, government Give me dudes. an example. Oh. Um, I don't remember them. The I don't dudes. remember the like when um when we get to the I don't remember the 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 cores light bit. I don't remember the getting to um the when when they actually come to the house and everything. I don't remember the cryogenic chamber, like you know. I don't remember things like that, and I'm, I honestly, crazy. but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I have to have seen it. I'm sure I've seen. I saw it as a kid, but I just. It's just not something that I rewatched at any point during my life. So I'm like, yeah. Mm. So yeah. I rewatched it a lot because we had it on VHS up in uh, the snow place. Oh, yeah. So that's still there. And there's still like a VHS tape there. <laughs> so whenever I go up there to the snow, ET, the Matrix, there's a few like really good ones that are there that I just rewatch it. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, cool. All right. Well, well like, we can celebrate. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean,. I think this is this is it's such a good movie. Uh, it's written so well. It's constructed so well. Yes. It's it, the elements of fantasy, the imagery that's created, the music. It's probably one of in in terms of the the imagery of film and what what film does to us as children and as adults, turning us into children again. Yes. It's such a triumph of celluloid, and it's really one of the great examples of what is truly great about film yeah um et really is just lasts and lasts and uh, like a lot of the spielberg films uh, it holds up which we can get into details of what holds up okay and what doesn't hold up let's just start talking in our structure because we'll get to yeah. best bits yeah but let's talk about cast before best bits okay i'll name the main cast first we have H- elliot Elliot, who is Henry Thomas. Thoughts on Elliot, played oh, by he's Henry excellent. Thomas. He's so excellent. Isn't he? It made me, it reminded me when we talked about um, Flight of the Navigator, and I felt like there's just a different caliber of child actor. Now, I know that they all went through some shit, and it was not a, mm. <laughs> they maybe didn't have the most um, happy upbringing from being child actors. But like the emotion and just, yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's just so excellent. I think he's fantastic. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. He's so amazing. Can so I, subtle as well. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Did you see the, the special that they made a couple of years ago? No. So they did like an ET. I can't remember what it was for. I feel like it was for a comic relief thing, but I'm not sure if, cause it's very American. So as to whether they did it, um, let me have a quick look. Uh, E.T. Returns. 
and it's adult oh. Elliot and El- adult Elliot's family and his kids and E.T. returns and meets Elliot's kids because that was supposed to be they were going to do a sequel right it's after and Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg pretty much f- sort of went to try to figure something out and eventually went to the studio and said, I think it's perfect and I think we should leave it just as it is. And mm-hmm. the studio agreed. So I guess they sort of did something hokey ultimately. Yeah, so it was 2019 and it's a 40 years later thing and it was an ad for Comcast Xfinity. And it was just really sweet to see Henry Thomas again. Lovely. It was really cool. Well, speaking of child actors, we also had Drew Barrymore. I mean, <gasps> stop. Drew, Drew Barrymore, what can we say that she hasn't said about herself? Like, I feel like we all know that she had a, you know, a difficult journey into adulthood, so we don't have to go over that. Let's just talk about her performance. Oh, do you know, I, I completely forgot. Completely forgot it was her. Oh, really? Couple, couple of scenes in I forgot it was her and then I was like oh my god yeah of course that's Drew Barrymore why did I just she's so amazing what she's absolutely she's fantastic she's adorable yeah I love her wonderful. but my favorite is actually the brother Michael played by Robert McNaughton I think Michael oh yeah is one of my favorite parts of the film because he's an older brother and somewhat finds his little brother a nuisance, but it's never, but he's caring. He's, they're still, they're, they're yes. all in cahoots because they're all going through something together and he's protective of the mum. But, you know, it's not overboard. Like you still expect the older brother to find the, the younger brother to be a little bit of a shit, right? And so, but the balance yeah. is, is so good. The character is just written so well. And I really feel like if he was any more of a bully, it, it wouldn't feel the same. It wouldn't, you wouldn't be convinced with the bicycle, with all those scenes, that he would be fighting for him in that way. But he's written so fucking well. And it's still to this day one of my, be- one of my best parts of the film is the sibling dynamic. Yeah, I wrote down... Sorry, I'm just trying to find the note. Where did I write it down? Um, mature and considerate children. And it's just so different. Like the way that the way that when when um, when they're at the dinner table and he says like, oh, dad's in Mexico with Sally or whatever her name is. And the mother's upset. And like the realization that the kids have that they've upset the mother. They're not lashing out at her. They're not, you know, what we always see. It's like, oh, you know, dad, I want to go live with dad or like any of that trash. They all acknowledge the dad's fucked off, done something a bit shit. And the mom is hurting and they're trying to be kind and considerate to her pain. And the older boy in particular, he's like, I'm going to kill you for saying that. Like, stop. But they, they don't make a big deal out of it. They're being protective. It's adorable. It's so sweet. And can we have kids be like that? Well, my son is like that. And I think that because, yeah. well, that's the mother's played by Dee Wallace. And it's the only adult that isn't that isn't shot by the waist up because it's like the mother is with the kids. Yes. The mother is sort of one of them. They're in a club. And that is sort of how I feel like being a single mother. You're in a club with your kids. It's not, it's a different dynamic than when you have nuclear families. Like parents governing, children at the bottom. When it's a single mom, you're just all in the club together. Uh, it's what yeah. I, it's what I feel like. It's like, I don't feel like I have a, the parent-child relationship that you have when you have the um, hierarchy of a nuclear family. 
That's really, yeah, that's a really nice way because I was going to ask you about that because I figured you'd have some something to say about it when, when we talk about the style and stuff about just the way that they shot the adults in comparison to the kids. And I was wondering that about the mum and that's such a great way to put it. They're all in a club together. It's yeah, well, well, Spielberg has said something like she sort of emotionally because she's going, you know, she's obviously going through something. So she's not emotionally, she's sort yeah. of one of them in a sense. You know, she's acting like a child. I mean, I don't want to, yeah. not, not, not in a, not in a bad way that she's visible to them on no, an no, emotional I, I, level. No, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, she's going through a growth journey as well as, you know, everyone else. Yeah, and I, lo- I love the Halloween. I love her excitement and, and the way they look at her when she's dressed up in her sexy, like, Halloween thing. Probably they're, they're, they're going to go out trick-or-treating. She's got something she's going to, like, a Halloween party. She's all dressed up yeah. in, like, this sexy thing and they're all, like, <laughs> horrified. It's all the whole, yeah. the whole sequence is, is great. No, I really related a lot to the whole, you really felt the family was in a fucking mess. Like they loved each other, yeah. but you really felt the chaos and the sadness. And yeah. And I, I mean, it, this, this was Spielberg wrote this to deal with, well, he created a character for himself, E.T., when he was a child to deal with his own parents' divorce. And, um, and then he had sort of, ideas about alien film and so he wanted to combine the idea about his his alien friend and the idea of divorce and being visited by extraterrestrial and sort of let's just make it into one movie the movie is about yeah. a child coping with divorce but in true cinema fashion it's sort of using the supernatural to sort of illustrate the loneliness uh, all right so d Wallace plays the mom i love and then the last person who's really like a cast member a part of it is keys we call him Keys, yeah. Peter Coyote, who represents, I guess, one of the big themes, which is uh, childhood longing, which I guess we can get into later. But any comments about Keys? So coming from, um, I don't have anything to say about his character because we don't really learn much about him other than he says something about having seen uh, E.T. or E.T. came to him before. Something. I don't really, I don't really get that reference. But it's very, it's kind of just the whole style of the movie, right? The whole movie opens with very, very much horror themes to it. Like, it feels like it's starting out as a horror movie. It's, we don't see E.T.'s running around. There's a lot of shots initially with Elliot first going to meet E.T. that are very set up as if the movie could go one direction into full-on horror, the thing, stuff like that. Um... And then it swerves into, and, and like the, you've got all of the adults in the forest, all of the men with their lights and their guns and their cars. And they're all, as you said, shot from like the waist up. You never see their faces. You never know um, what their intentions are. You immediately assume their intentions to be bad. And then the whole movie kind of goes through and slowly you start to kind of, it becomes more childlike, it becomes more innocent, fun, emotional. And then at the end, what I didn't understand, and I really wanted to know if you had uh, a thoughts on this, was the significance of then finally showing us all of the adults. So like there was a moment where we saw Keys first and there was something very specific about seeing him first, just his face acknowledging the fact that then he would talk to Elliot that he had some connection to E.T. But then there was two scenes that seemed like they were very deliberately done where they just removed all the masks of the adults. There was the one where E.T. dies and then when they're in when Elliot comes in to see him in the cryo chamber and Elliot's crying. 
they do it in groups do you know what I mean yeah it's it seems like it's very intentionally done that they all take everything off at that moment yeah interesting I do feel like that they definitely keep the antagonistic feeling because otherwise it wouldn't create the climactic scene with the bikes if you really didn't feel like they were chasing them but what what I think it definitely it sort of changed what the antagonists were because as you say in the beginning it feels like masked men faceless men bad intentions and then when the scientific thing when you start hearing their doctors they're actually trying to save him and then this speech by keys which is like i've been dreaming of this since i was a kid right but in his adult state right he wants to possess et right as opposed to sort of Elliot's more connected thing which is like no he needs to go back to his people um and so to me it kind of represents these aren't antagonists it sort of it takes away to a degree this horror element of the antagonism but what it replaces it with is adulthood or something yeah it's like ad- adults and wanting to keep the childlike state that fantasy yeah. and and also the emotional connectedness so he feels what et is feeling and it's like you know to to it's like the children versus the adults so it goes from this like masked man the government this horror element to this is about childhood winning over adulthood and not allowing that imagination and the freedom of the heart to be won by the cynicism of adulthood and the sort of dryness of adulthood and that's what I feel like it becomes so the emotional climax is so much more than just baddies goodies running it it becomes a climax that is to do with the longing of childhood and the and and the fantasy and the belief and the hope of children where they ride up with the bikes and all the adults stand there just like I'm dead they're just like dead like they they can't how can you argue with that and I feel like the the emotional core just starts to beat and beat and beat until it just takes off and at the end you're just dead and everybody is made like children again while watching the film and and everybody comes together as as children with you know like wonder in their eyes you know to be in that childlike state again yeah and that's, and to me, that's what the movie's about. And that's why, I mean, adults just are dead over the film. All right, let's go into, let's go list our best bits. <coughs> yes! Let's go into best bits before we, and then we'll start talking about the movie science. So I've got um, one, well, I, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got seven best bits. So how many do you have? Um, I'm just trying to figure out from the way that I've written it. <laughs> Um, should i just uh i'll just do yeah one. just yeah i'll just I'll okay just, i'll find them in my notes <laughs> first the best bit is the bikes it's both the bike scenes but there was something in particular yeah. i wanted to mention about the second bike scene which is so good obviously cg you know i think it holds up really well from a technical point of view especially this blows me away when the boys are, are lifted up and it's so greg's all the all these bike punks i love them i love the bike punks yeah. Uh, every time when I ride around, by the way, on my bike, in my reference point is without question is, is ET. Um, so <laughs> the special effects in the bike ride, the, the light on the side of their faces, cause they're against the setting sun. 
the, so it's like the wind in their hair and the sides of their faces are all lit up from the sun. I just find that even if this sort of transplant image maybe could be updated, maybe not, it's the attention to detail of the wind in their hair and the light on right. their faces is, is seamless. It's seamless and you, and you, it really looks like they're being lit by the sunset and they're flying and, you know, it just completely, tra- like it brings you into the moment. There really is nothing about that scene. I could look really closely for a mistake just for anything to take me out of it and I just find it absolutely seamless and I love the way they all, they land in formation. They're all like, because when Elliot lands, he crashes the first time with all the bike punks, they all just like, they go in formation yeah. and it's just they're just so cool on their bikes <laughs> <laughs> so Frida's a bike nerd <laughs> uh, what, give me a best bit um, so one of the ones I have is um, just uh, the frogs like, oh, isn't it the the whole frog scene just like when they're like I, I was traumatized at the first I was like oh yeah sure great this sounds like fun make a bunch of kids watch frogs die and then when he just starts going crazy and he's like save the frog we must set them free I was like yes yes go Elliot save the frogs love it it's great I love that scene and then like just the whole thing the whole weird little moment you got at the end as well of him like standing up on the guy to up kiss on the, the kid guy. it's just like yeah. come on it's so it's, it's so just cute. beautifully it's so done. Cute. It's so wonderful. And she's and her look on her face, yeah. you know, it's just <laughs> like, the fantasy of it. It's just it's so great. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. I liked uh, when he shows E.T. around, when he's showing E.T. around. I this yeah. is what's so good about kids. They're like an alien. Great. Hey alien, come to my room. Like this is my toys and like you know, like it's just that's yeah. children. He goes, This is Coke. You drink it, you know, food. And just the way he talks, it's so cute. Give me another one. Yeah. Um, okay, so, sorry, I'm just I'm trying to go through my list. Okay. Um, I've never driven forward before. I know, and it sets it up so well. Uh, that's not how he said yeah. it, but, like, yeah, it's just, like, the go, go, go. I've never driven forward before. It's just brilliant. Yeah, because mom only lets me back out. The whole bit of yeah. the scene when he actually goes and he and he releases, but the tunnel comes with him, and just the two guys yeah. stuck in the tunnel the whole way. It's just great. It's so good. Isn't it? When he's, and he's unnotching the tunnel bit by bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, because you get, you get, obviously, the kids allowed to back out of the driveway, and the mom lets him back out. Uh, so yeah. he only backs out of the driveway. It's it's really great how all those little things are. They're supported before with the little detail. Yeah. Uh, I have the the mother not noticing <clears throat> ET again. Adults, right? Just yeah. being like, uh, but yeah. it, it, she knocks. Gertie's like, he's right here. Who's here, darling? He is. But I think you killed him. She's so <laughs> busy. She doesn't even notice. I I just yeah. love the mother not noticing. It's. Do you know what? That's a, that's the thing that I always think about in movies, right? Like, there's always moments where people go like, "Oh, as if you wouldn't notice." And it's like, really think about how you go about your day. Really think about how you pay attention to your surroundings. There's so much we just don't pay attention to. So it's totally believable. Oh yeah, mom. Like she's just this, that, this, that. Like sometimes I go about my day and I forget to go to the toilet. Like, yeah. you know, you're that busy that you 
you don't notice anything. So yeah, for sure. Um, also, is they're all teeny, and he's just she doesn't even she's not like she's not looking down at her kids. She's like, oh, that's Gertie, like that's Elliot, like blah 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 blah. She's not being like, oh hi Gertie. She's yeah. like Gertie, whatever. So she's not looking down. Uh, okay, I love all the swear words in the film. Penis breath, and then the mum's like, <laughs> I love her laughter. Yeah. She tries to tell him off, but it's such a funny insult. And another insult is Uranus. I mean, that was the origin for that. You you get it? Your anus. Where are you from? Uranus. And then yeah. another insult that he yells is zero charisma. Zero charisma. Yeah. Zero charisma. <laughs> and that reminds me a lot of being yeah. a kid. My my uh, my my sibling called me puny, no muscles. Oh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> Such an insult. <laughs> Frida Flem. I'm always congested. Yeah, I got all the good ones. Okay, so zero charisma, <laughs> penis, breath, Uranus. Another really great Classic. part of the book was the mother reading Gertie Peter Pan. Yeah? Yeah. If you believe in fairies, I do, I do. Then clap yeah. your hands. Clap your hands. <gasps> Shit, it's oh, so good. <laughs> it was yeah. so sweet. So sweet. Um, I've got two more. How many more have you got? Uh, yeah, I've got you a few give me more. Another one? Uh, Go. yeah. Okay. So, um, when they're on the bikes, uh, at the end with their friends and they're like, we need to get him to his ship. And one of the guys goes, can he just beam up? And Elliot's like, this is reality, Greg. <laughs> Graham. This is, that, that was my next <laughs> one. It's so one of the best lines. <laughs> this is reality, on. Graham. <laughs> When, when I, but I wrote, can't he just beam him up? And I was like, did I write that comment? Yeah. And I was like, oh, in the movie, a kid said yeah. that because it's a, it's a freaking decent point. Yeah. Okay. Um, my last one is the whole sequence with the crying on the cryogenic sort of in the coffin. Yeah. The crying, the laughing, the crying. And, the, and then when he goes past and he sees the flowers and he was like, ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he goes into the airlock thing and the brother's so excited he jumps and he just hits his head like the whole sequence is just utter chaos and it's yeah. it's really good <laughs> that was my last one give me the rest of yours um i ju- just have one and it's just the um spielberg dropping a nod in for his buddy uh the boba fett doll the like the star wars dolls and they're talking about it and it's just it's just such a funny thing because because of that we know that um George Lucas set up Industrial Light Magic to create Star Wars, and then while they were on a break, he lent it to lent Industrial Light Magic to Spielberg. So then Spielberg put Star Wars dolls in ET, and then later on in Star Wars, they have ET as a member of the council in one of the scenes, and it's just a really really cool little thing. But it's just such a such a Hollywood nod to a certain time period of these specific people: Spielberg, uh, Cameron. Um, uh, George Lucas, who are all like the best of buddies making movies together. Yeah. It's just using really cool. shared resources, shared universes. Uh, all right, cool. Let's get into themes. I think I've covered, Freedom you know, my star Wars geek out moment. No, I, I, well, you don't know what's coming, Abby. I do know what's you don't. Coming. Okay. Well, of course maybe I you do. Coming. Maybe you don't. Mm. Well, what's coming is themes. <laughs> Themes. Okay, I wrote that the themes are well. It's like divorce, families, 
but um, in my view, it's about what, like I said, the longing of childhood. Yeah, and that's what that's sort of what the movie is thematically about. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Cool, great. Let's get into trope of the week, which I have written nothing. I forgot to write it, and I couldn't think of anything. Do you have a trope? Uh, I do. I might have two. Oh yeah, give me one. Wow. Uh, casual sexualization of your friend's mom. So American. What? What? Say that. When the when they're having the when the kids are all like they're having their poker game or whatever shit like they've got the smoke is going in. Where's the smoke coming from? Anyway, uh, they're doing all that, and then the mom comes out in her dressing gown, and she like bends over, and then the friend is like, "Ooh, going to." like pinch her butt and stuff and it's just it's just such an american thing teen boys like fancying their their best friend's mom it's just it's so creepy and not a thing that i think really happens outside of america all that much it's an american fantasy it's weird (laughs) it's Um, totally weird so there's that one and um oh and i just had like which came first little green men or et (laughs) is et based on little green men or little green men based on et I think Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh came yeah, but that was this. also Spielberg. So yeah, <laughs> where did know. Spielberg get his little green men from? That's the question. Martians. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get into science. Bah. Or whatever. Okay, so, oh, well, yeah, let's get into, first we'll get into the design of E.T. because he asked a few yeah. questions. This is what Spielberg, what Spielberg, this is what Spielberg wanted. He wanted, he wanted E.T. to be squishy, earthy, muddy. And the guy that helped him with it is Carlos Rimaldi, who we remember from Alien. Yeah. Uh, who did design for Alien 2. And actually they use images in order to create uh, E.T. They used uh, images of Albert Einstein, Ernst Hemingway, and Carl Sandburg in order to sort of inspire the look of E.T., which I find really funny. Um, <laughs> so, and then the voice, who did the voice? None other than Ben Burt, who did Star Wars, and also Wally, because we did an episode on Wally. Wally's the movie, the most sounds ever created for a single film. Was by Ben Burt oh, in yes. Wally. I remember and you went. You did a whole thing on Ben Burt for Wally, didn't you? About sound and how to make sound in movies. That was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. And um, so Ben Burt does the voice, and it's actually this lady. It's an old lady's voice who smoked two packs a day, and Ben Burt thought that's the voice. And so he had an old <laughs> lady. Amazing. That really yeah. hits different now. <laughs> I go back and watch. I know, it doesn't you. it? <laughs> now that I th- I see a little old lady now. Yeah. So that's the design. Yeah, the design was concocted. I mean, it, well, I think it was adapted from other imagery, um, but they were going for something which, in no way, you could imagine a human could be in there. So yeah. that was important. Do you know what we? You know those corkscrews, those like real big proper corkscrews with the arms. Yeah. And the head goes up. I used to always say that it looks like E.T. doing star jumps because the head, because you pull the head up and the arms go like this and the head gets long. Um, so oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure many images went into that. Um, 
And actually, there were some accusations of plagiarism, but whatevs. I think that a lot of ideas came into it. Um, but anyway, let's get into like where is ET from? Because yes. when I, you know, all the all the all the times that I watched it as a kid, I never like clocked that they're gardeners or botanists. Like I didn't really think about it. I didn't really pay attention. Mm. It's not explicitly stated, but they're there to collect plants, and it's yeah. the information is all there if you want to look for it. That their spaceship is just filled with alien plants, and the camera like pans. Right. The camera pans and you get the sense that they've been traveling. It's like the thing, but like plants, you know, the thing is collecting and devouring and consuming creatures and it's all very horrifying. But, yeah. you know, E.T. and his mates are just getting plants and flowers and stuff. It's, it all seems pretty harmless. <laughs> um, all right. But like, where's he from? There's no information actually about where he is from other than it's a different star system because... He levitates, you know, little balls yeah. of clay. And just to indicate, this is your star system. This is my star system. Um, and there's a race of botanists. We have to infer that. Um, but there's no, like, canon. Uh, really, I mean, and, and if there is, it's being created retrospectively. Yeah. So, um, as you said, Spielberg included references to star wars including boba fett but also yoda because there's a scene where et sees yoda and then george lucas in turn references et in star wars episode one and it's primarily just like an easter egg um and we're not sure if this appearance can be taken as canon but although people have kind of extrapolated that way and then there was like a novel created um whatever canon means i'm still learning about this shit but anyway it's not gonna be canon (laughs) No. no, but um, does just, the fact that E.T. recognizes Yoda, is that just dramatic irony? Like, is this just yeah. a Halloween joke or is he recognizing a familiar species from his planet because they have the same look? So, you know, is any of this important? No. No. <laughs> so, no. Well, anyway, E.T. is from a planet. He's, he's from a race yeah. that's called the Asogians. And they're okay. from, they hail from Brodo Asogi, a planet located in the parent sector of the Outer Rim Territories, whatever the fuck that means. They joined the Republic. Senator Greepleeps. Senator Greepleeps, which is Spielberg. a Star Wars wiki for E.T. And, and created a, a universe. Uh, created it's so ET much more than Star that, Abby. <laughs> There's a whole book. Yeah. Senator Greepleeps. Spielberg backwards, by the way. <coughs> Greepleeps. That is, uh, he is attended in the Senate. He represents uh, Brodo Asagi uh, to the Senate. And in many different alien languages, it's many, the, the, the planet is mentioned in several alien languages and in every la- alien language that it's mentioned, it translates as green planet. So we can assume that the planet is covered in plants because yeah. we're a blue planet and we're covered in 70% water. So we can assume that the green planet is similarly covered in trees. It's mostly vegetation, um, which... That's fine. Um, yeah. We can okay. So there was actually a novel that this guy wrote, William Cotswinkle, um, and it just continues all of this and talks about the planet. And he says that Brodo Asogi 
as Soji. I don't give a shit. But it actually exists in another dimension. Okay. Oh, God. And it's mostly covered in plants and has a lot of caves. So from a physiological point of view, um, well, that backs sort of, okay, like according to Fitzwobble, what's his name? Cotswinkle, excuse me. But there are other species on the planet, on the planet called like the flop glopple. And that is a three footed tentacle monster, whatever. And there's volcano trees. Okay. And there's jumping trees. And if ethereal beings of pure energy, okay. And that's kind of, I guess, like a tree nymph. So every kind of vegetation, like it's just a vegetation adventure park. And it's like every kind of tree and plant. Um, Although in my view, this is all crap because E.T. saw redwoods and he was like, whoa. So if he saw a redwood and that's canon, if he saw a redwood and he was like, whoa, then obviously there can't be jumping trees. Otherwise he wouldn't be like, whoa, there's a redwood. Um, okay. Anyways, um, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So basically what I'm learning is somebody wrote fan fiction about E.T. being a part of Star Wars universe, um, and, and created an entire name for the species and a planet and a, yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think pretty when Spielberg sure, designed... Pretty, pretty sure Lucas and Spielberg were just like, hey, buddy, I'll put a little, you know, hey, here's a Star Wars nod. Hey, here's an E.T. nod because we're buddies. No. Pretty sure they weren't no. saying maybe no. E.T. is part of the Republic. Uh, canon. So, no. Yeah, no. Not but, you canon. know, I'm sure Stop. when Steven Spielberg Stop throwing Spielberg around that word canon, like... mate. Stop. <laughs> well, maybe it's my head canon. Oh, my God. I found that word out like three days ago. I was like, what the fuck is headcanon? So this is in my headcanon. Oh my God. So what's the point of canon if you're going to make it subjective? That's insane. That's insane. Canon That's the abuse subjective. of the English language. Canon is but you, if you say head, But if you say headcanon, you're basically saying subjective canon in my version of it. Oh, okay. That doesn't make any sense. That's that's you creating your own world out of something else that someone else has made and creating your own canon version of it in your mind that nobody else is associated with. Okay. Britta, we're entering into realms that I don't think you're able to handle. (laughs) Give me a little bit. I'm trying. I just think when Steven Spielberg says squishy, I'm not, lumpy, I'm not putting, I'm make not him muddy. Listen, I'm not saying that to make put you him... down. I'm saying that I just think that if you enter into the realms of fandom and canon, <laughs> your brain is going to explode with the like, just complete insanity of this world. And you'll be like, just no. <laughs> I've got a own... whole thing written here. Okay. All right, go on. You're go stopping on. me from speaking. I'm sorry. Before I even say it, I do want to say when Spielberg says warm, squishy, muddy, he was like, give me the vibe of like a tree person. He wasn't like, because physiologically, the planet will be going in trees, which means they have to camouflage. But let's pretend for a second that there was any intention of that sort. Let's talk about his physiology. Yeah. So if there's a lot of caves on his planet, 
then I guess he, everybody, you know, maybe there's a lot of light up glowing things, you know what I mean? So that's why okay. he has a glow mechanism because if they're mostly covered by trees, it's probably really dark because all the trees are, you know, getting as much sun as possible, as much light as possible. And maybe there's a lot of cavey, warm, squishy, muddy places. And so maybe there's a lot of bioluminescence. Maybe okay, that's cool. why E.T. has a bioluminescence. But also it's probably why his eyes are really big because it's really dark and he has to collect as much light as possible. So he's got these big, dark eyes. And maybe he's also like muddy and, you know, brown because he would blend in with trees and things where they're botanists. So they would maybe blend in with tree trunks and stuff like that. So they're kind of like these tree people that live in the undergrowth. They're very lumpy. So I don't think they have like, they're not climbers. They sort of seem like they're kind of low and lumpy. Uh, Maybe it's, they're not muscular. So maybe it's a pretty low gravity environment so that the trees can grow as much and reach up to the sky as much as possible which would make sense why he doesn't seem to have loads of muscle tone. And he's like, like, like he just picks plants up. Um, so there probably are tree, tree climbing species, but again, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Because yeah, again, his reaction to the redwoods, he could just be a positive kind of guy. You know what I mean? Um, but he seems to be blown away. So, of trees. Yeah, but they, they grow. If, it, if it's low gravity, so the trees grow really high, then, I mean, maybe redwoods would be nothing. But I feel like he just loves plants. Maybe they have a higher... No. The way he shuffles around. They have he to shuffles have like, around Yeah, they'd have to have, like, a similar kind of gravity, at least, to us. Or less. Oh, no, he might if be lumpy have... on Earth because there's less gravity here. Right? Yeah. Would, would, if If... Yeah, he'd be no, in a lower gravity. If he than felt, he... if yeah, if he's if he's used to being in a lower gravity environment, then the he-, he would feel heavier, heavy. In, yeah, in higher on Earth. So if he if he was a bit more light and more buoyant on Earth, then you would expect his planet to have a lower gra- a higher gravity than Earth, larger mass, I guess. Um, yeah, but so, so maybe. I reckon... Yeah, there there could be some sort of a way that that you could work it out. That like, I mean, maybe it is just a case of just redwoods. Just you know, large trees just don't grow there. Maybe their planet is all low, bushy tops of yeah, fern. Yeah, love a fern. <laughs> all being said, having said all this, I just feel like his fingers. Given he's a gardener, I just feel like the fingers could have been more practical for like picking up plants. You know, when I, when I watch him picking up plants with the fingers, I'm like, mm, does this look to you like a race that's just designed to pick up plants? He's kind of like, eh, eh. <laughs> he's got his two fingers. He's like, I think we're better the, at picking up plants. But maybe it's the way the plants are in his planet. That is a fair point. See, th- this is why there's no conversation. You can't have a conversation about fake aliens because you can yeah. always say, well, maybe... <laughs> But we'll, by, by God, we'll try it because he also yeah. has regenerative <laughs> abilities. Yes. So I'm assuming because they can regenerate that they lived for a really long time. They just, so that, that to me makes sense why they can survive intergalactic travel, for example. Yeah. Because if, if he's very, very far away, then I guess their race, if they can regenerate, they probably lived for ages. 
They're probably ancient. They're probably ancient. Do you think that they have to be near each other, though? Do you think there's some sort of a life force on the ship that, like, that connects to them or that they have to be connected to each other and that's why he went out and he was dying and then the heart glowy thing no. came back when the ship was uh, was in vicinity no you don't okay. no i don't think so i don't think that's the reason why he was dying I-, I have a reason why i think he was dying okay but but also just i'll say that right now i think he was starving i think he was missing important nutrients he yeah. was eating a lot of earth food but i think whatever it was wasn't enough that there were, he was missing some basic nutrient nutrition that he okay. just c- can't get here. He can live here, but he'll slowly die because there's some vital nutrient, like the version of iodine or whatever the hell it is, that we absolutely can't live without, or there's some version of that that he can only get from his planet that was just going to slowly kill him. And I do. it does seem that... what The thing is that all these villains and everything, but once they got... E.T. in the medical thing, it did seem they really sincerely were trying to understand his physiology so that they could actually save him. And you do hear them saying about his DNA base pairs, he's got got, uh, six base molecules Mm -hmm. instead of four. And I don't know what the connection is, but they they clearly had fabricated some kind of thing that they were giving him that they thought would be what he needed and that, that is possibly what was keeping him alive. But I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the connection is, but I feel like there's a connection between the fundamental makeup of his DNA and why, like, you know, that they had to fabricate special so medicines just for him. So I thought that it was a case of that E.T. and David were linked. David, who's David? Elliot. E.T. and Elliot were linked. Elliot was dying and E.T. knew that the only way to save Elliot was they had to remove the link. But removing the link killed E.T. So what I don't... So he kind of basically gave his life force to Elliot. So Elliot was fine and then E.T. was dead. But I don't understand how E.T. came back to life. The only thing that I could connect it to was that his his chest started glowing again. Mm. And they called I, him. I assume that it was that the his this the ship was on the way, so they yeah. come near enough that he knew that his people were nearby, and that rejuvenated him. Yeah, I think so. I think that he that they called him, but I don't think. Do you think that's what that it might have been a combination between he was getting medical care plus he was like my family's back, like you know he has like a kick back like i just want to say you know, i'm obsessed sort of... with how serious we're being about et's death and resuscitation <laughs> let's just go through this again he he linked to et do you know what i love i love when when he was copying et right it reminds me of penguins penguins bond like that they meet each other and they're like they like they like <laughs> copy each other and that's and then they bond they're like you're in so I reckon when E.T. was like copying him, that, that that was how the species forms bond. And then and that was how they like mate for life or something, right? That's what I reckon. You know, he was bonding with Elliot in a, there was some sort of love there. And I bet you that's how E.T. species, much like penguins. I wouldn't be surprised if they were inspired by penguins. 
but that E.T. and Elliot sort of did a sort of mating, accidental mating bonding thing. But it seems like in E.T.'s race that the bond becomes sort of almost physiological or spiritual or something, that they feel each other's feelings. It's like this seriously empathetic bond, which, you know, is like an extreme version of what does happen when you do partner with someone and they're in your self-circle. You have this sort of, you you, you feel their feelings and you kind of empathize heavily with their moods. Um, This is obviously a more extreme version of that. But, you know, look, Carrie Fisher, um, you know, mother and daughter. I mean, when you like, what what was her mother's name? That she passed away like a Debbie Reynolds, like, mm-hmm. passed away, like, a week after Carrie Fisher. So, in a sense, like, you, you see with humans that people are truly bonded just from living life together or something, that they can really feel those things. They can die with each other or live with each other and things like that. So, I don't think that's so outside the human experience, what their bond was. Um, but in order for them to survive, they had to set each other free. They both had to do it. They they like they were like in this weird love thing, but Elliot was like he needs to go, and Et was like he needs to stay, even though Elliot was like stay, and Et was like come, which is all now that I know it's an old lady, I it's really changed. Yeah, I know you you like I just am pretending that you didn't tell me that. <laughs> We all knew, we all grew up with like a, a few old ladies that smoke two packs a day. And like now they're like in my head. Um, so I think that the bonding thing feels just like that's how their species is. But I think it was a combination between him like getting... <coughs> Patrick said the old lady thing has wrecked me a bit. Um, yeah. The, 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 I, think it's a, I think it's a combination of getting medical care plus his people calling him and giving him like a kickback. But I think that they were developing drugs that somehow, you know, was for someone with six base uh, molecules for the DNA. Um, We'll never know. But um, so he has these magical powers, right? I was just thinking about this. I think that the more ancient you are, the more magical you become. Okay. Um. Patrick was like, the chat's interactive. I just said, Patrick, if somebody if somebody makes a comment that honestly makes me laugh, I'll mention it because it's funny. I'm just saying. It's not, we're not, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I was saying before that they clearly are ancient because they regenerate. So we can assume they live for a long time. And I think there's something like the more ancient you are, <laughs> the more magical you become or some shit. It just makes sense yeah. to me. Okay. There's something mystical about it. But I also feel like, okay, stay with me here. They're like totally bonding with nature and plants. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like it makes you more spiritual or magical or some shit. To people that descended from the races that destroy plants and build cities and things like that we cut ourselves off from the land and bonding to the land and then when we meet people like for example the indigenous people of australia who are heavily bonded with the land they almost in our head canon take on a mystical or magical thing it almost seems magical to us because we are so removed from nature that that, that, that when animals are in tune or when we see like a bird like warning the the, the meerkats of the leopard we're like oh <gasps> 
you know, like it's yeah. almost magical to us. And when there are humans that are bonded with nature and bonded with trees, it almost takes on a mystical thing because we're just so removed from all of that. So mm. I do think that when, when there's a race that is so bonded with land and plants that it makes sense to me that they almost take on a magical property, you know, being able to listen to plants and understand the land and all these sorts of things, hear things that we can't hear, see things we can't hear, interact with energies and stuff. Uh, energies, fuck that. But I'm just, I don't know. Like, it's hard to talk, yeah, no, it's a really hard thing to talk about because there's so much of it that makes sense, right? And there's so much of it that we can talk about it in terms of, as you said, like bonding with the land, with nature. It's all connected with like how we evolve and how how much like the the planet in itself is central to our existence and how much we rely on it uh where it gets tricky is like yeah when, once you start kind of talking about certain things um people go way over to the other side of the room with their like oh everything's energy and we're just all connected with it. and it's like no but but like things have very specific values and meanings and, and ways that they can interact. So just because everything at the fundamental base is energy doesn't mean that you can interact with everything, but it does. But I, I do believe that like what you're saying in terms of, if you think about evolution and if you think about how long, how young our planet is like in, in reality, in terms of the existence of the, uh, of, of the universe, our solar system is quite young. Um, and then our planet itself was quite young. So we as a species on the planet are quite young in comparison to the age of the universe and the age of the galaxy and things like that. So the idea that there could be another race out there that is much more evolved than we are and will have evolved in a different way, but with a lot of similarities in terms of just the basic um, uh, elements of the universe it makes sense to think that like you don't know what evolution could lead to you don't know what another another like millennia or two of ev like not millennia but another couple of million years of evolution and what connection and way you will interact with the world around you you know we interact with light but like what's et interacting with we don't know what types of mm -hmm. um ways that they pro that their body has evolved to process information to take in information and to uh, send send it out so flying aliens sure yeah i agree because i think about the things that we understand about trees now through scientific research for example about the networks fungal networks you know now that we are getting our head around the fact that turns out trees are sentient basically they see they hear they talk i don't know it's crazy right so let's just say we hadn't spent hundreds of years cutting everything down <laughs> um, and we evolved to be, you know, plant lovers and plant learners. And we knew this a long time ago and we were able to listen and pick up to the signs because, you know, trees go towards water. How do they know? They have some sort of information network. Well, if we knew how to live with the trees more maybe we'd be able to pick up on a lot of these signals that are actually being sent but we're like totally blind to so mm -hmm. it makes sense to me that when you're not blinding yourself to that by having a complete disrespect for other organic matter that isn't a human um that you might start picking up on very subtle things um and i don't want to be like energy readers you're giving up energy that's what i mean because it's dangerous i'm not talking about yeah. no, not, not, not that shit but there is 
things going on underneath us and around us. Unfortunately, we've really chopped most of it down. So if I think about a planet which is a green planet, people that haven't done that, a race that hasn't done that, who are thousands of years older than us, it makes sense to me that there's some shit going down there that we would process as being magical or mystical. Yeah, However, absolutely. Okay, but... <laughs> I digress because... But the flying bikes... Um, Don't you take away the flying bikes from me. <laughs> never. Okay. Okay, do we think it's just E.T. can make the bikes fly? Uh, just, everybody can make things fly. Um, why? Well, I was like, why fly? I was like, why not fly? <laughs> E.T.'s controlling the... Um, the forces around the bikes. Yeah, but it feels like it's almost emotional, you know, because yeah. before he flew, he goes, whoa, like he felt it coming on or something. It oh. almost felt like it was coming from within. Um, is this canon? Whoa. So- <laughs> <laughs> like Welcome he felt to today's something. episode when Frida learned what canon and head canon are and she won't stop. <laughs> E.T. saying, whoa, before they take off would mean that he wasn't expecting it, which means it sort of comes from some kind of like impulse or sort of react reflex, right? And so he's like felt it. He felt the shit coming on. He was like, the mushrooms are hitting. (laughs) By the way, speaking of plants, living with the plants, eating mushrooms, I'm just imagining that it would evolve a species like that, what what stuff you eat. Um, But he felt something coming on and then everything – Okay, so, or is it, is it the force? Because if we take it as canon, then you recognize Yoda costume. (laughs) Because Yoda is actually from his planet. Because Yoda actually looks very similar to E.T. I think they also come from the same planet. No, he does not. Stop it. They are not from the same planet. Don't you dare uh, do that. uh, They are not from the same planet. You cannot do that. They are. It's the force. He has the force. Even if you want to put E.T. into Star Wars and say he's force sensitive, that's fine. But he's not from, if he he can be force sensitive, but he's not from the same planet as Yoda. No. He's a force. He's a force. He's a force. No. (laughs) He is a force. No. I said that what he lifts things up because he has, he has a version of the force. He's like the the lower the lower grubby you know mushroom guys and that and then that that he, they're like the no okay uh, E.T. is definitely a Jedi because Pat, Patrick just backed me up um, I think he <laughs> is like the if the you want to put E.T. into the that fan planet. fiction world then E.T. is force sensitive but why would he recognize Yoda why would he why would he recognize Yoda if he did? Yoda's Unless he was just to everyone. <laughs> he was like, also, I've they seen might Star be buddies. Wars. They might know each other. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know it's just a joke on alien costumes and Halloween. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm. This is my episode, so okay, there's fine, nothing can, else yeah. to talk about yeah. except for <laughs> his communication device, yeah. which was great. That is iconic. The fork, the buzzsaw blade, the record player. He makes... So basically, E.T. gets the idea that he should phone home. I feel a hackneyed uh, saying coming on. (laughs) Something like, 
E.T. phone home. By the way, my fingers, I, I have this. I could see you wanting to say it. I could see you as soon as you said it. I could see you wanting to say it. <laughs> Do the voice. So I have a condition called arachnodactyly. It's called, it's on a condition. I mean, I just, I have a, a hypermobility and I've got these long spindly fingers. And one of the other things that my sisters and brothers tease me about is my fingers. that look like E.T.'s fingers. It's fine. I'm okay. I played the piano, so fuck them. Um, I took every insult, by the way, and turned it into like a. I took every insult that my, my they used to throw at me and like turns yeah. into a main feature of my personality. Just by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my my fingers are long and spindly. I'll become a great piano player. And there's I other think things. that's the best okay. way to look at it, really. Oh, the, best way to, <laughs> the best way to approach it. Anyways, the ET ET makes his communicator. He list, looks at a comic strip, and it's the comic strip is about Buck Rogers, and he crash lands on an alien planet, and he he takes what's left of the spaceship to make the communicator, and so he makes his own communicator. And I love the communicator. What do you think of the communicator? Oh, it's amazing. It's so. It's just. It's just such a. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about it. It's just really very tactile. It's very mechanical. It's very satisfying to see. But I've got all the things that are in it. It's a record player, a buzzsaw blade, which has got programmed with little pattern holes, a fork, a knife, a coat hanger, rope, bobby pins. And so that's combined. The coat hanger is combined with the rope, the fork, the knife, the bobby pins, the blade, and they're put inside the record player to form a wind driver, like a ratchet device. And then the wires... The, the bobby pins link the buzzsaw blade to this speak and spell, this children's toy, and that controls it automatically, right? The, so the buzzsaw blade is controlling the speak and spell. And then there's an umbrella, which is a satellite. And then he takes batteries from a lantern and jumper wires, and that powers wires, batteries, that powers the speak and spell which okay. is being automatically controlled by the record player, which has a bus saw and a fork, and it's just fucking amazing. amazing. Then he has a coffee can filled with wires that's attached to the umbrella handle for power. And that, so now we're generating some radio signals. He yeah. has a U- UHF tuner, a radio tuner, is attached to the coffee can. And then the metal funnel and a circuit board, he takes a circuit board from a transistor radio, and that's mounted inside the coffee can, and wide into the the radio, the tuner. And then he has a walkie-talkie that sends radio waves to the satellite that's connected to the, the UHF and the speaker, the speak and spell. So he's got this walkie-talkie and he's got this radio tuner and the walkie-talkie is generating the radio waves and that's being con- like via the tuner and that's going to the satellite and then the speak and spell, the record player, it's like, I don't know. It's amazing. amazing. But that's all the stuff. That's all the stuff that's there. And it all kind of works. It all kind of works so of like cool. what he's trying to do. Yeah. So it seems like he's programmed his message yeah. on the on the buzzsaw blade and the fork is sort of used to with the with the with the hanger, with this, with the record player, that's kind of sending it around yeah. to the speak and spell somehow. That's sort of the message. And then it's broadcasts on radio waves and then yeah. sent via the umbrella, which is the satellite. 
Um, and it's just powering it by taking batteries and wires and things like that. So it's it's so just cool. really fun. It's so cool. Uh, all right. That's the end of my science Amazing. section for ET. It's incredibly scientific. Um, well, but, you know, I I did my job and didn't just talk about the movie. I, I, so. You did. You did okay, science. Let's get into... I'm dead proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> you science ET. Uh, I think. All right. And, and considering how much you don't like having to fake science stuff, I'm really, really proud of you. I will tell you a confession because I was sitting, you know, I was at this event and I was actually there till this morning, like 1030 or 11. I was there all night and I was sitting around at like 10 this morning and I'm like, I need help guys. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say on this episode. I'm not prepared. Who can help me out with ET (laughs) facts and ideas? Uh And I didn't use this, but one person said, I asked chat GBT and this is what they've said. And I was like, I won't tell Abby that I did chat GPT. They, they never sent it to me, but I wouldn't do it anyway. But I, people did throw around a little bit of factoids of, that they knew about Star Wars. Uh, that, that, like, for example, I, the, um, Star Wars. Yeah, the Star Wars thing was. I was someone told me that this morning. I was so proud of you, and now you've just taken it all away. I thought you'd finally come around to my side. I was sitting here watching you, and I was like, oh my god, look at Frida doing the thing that she gets annoyed at me for doing with Marvel movies. Look at her. And now I know it was all a lie. (laughs) I have a problem with discretion. I don't know how to lie. I just tell the truth all the time. (laughs) I just say things. I'm like, really? You liked it? Somebody else told me to do it. It wasn't even me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into what the fuck. Yeah. Let's play the music. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I have one, two. I have two as well. How many? Do you, two. Yeah. All right. What? Give me your first one. Um, when they came in in the NASA astronaut suits. Yeah, that's just mine. Freak the shit out what of me. What the fuck? But like, <laughs> because then they're in the health suits later. Yeah, so you know, why the gear? That like, is what. I thought is they were having a, a fever dream. Moment. I genuinely thought it was a fever dream. I was like, this isn't real. And then it was no, they're actually really there in the NASA suits. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like a fever dream, and so I always. But also, you wouldn't like just be able to, like, license. I don't want to get too realistic about it, but you would not be able to walk on Earth in a NASA astronaut suit. They weigh, like, like, like 120 kg or something. Like, come on. Yeah, it, it does seem, it seems like an amazing fever dream. And I wonder, I wonder in my mind, because maybe they don't have protocols for, like, an alien. So they just think, let's just wear yeah. the shit that you'd wear in space or something. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I didn't that's have what an outfit. Thinking. That's what I thought, but I think I think honestly, it was just there for artistic license, just to scare the shit out of you and to feel like a, a, a fever dream. Yeah. I love that sequence when they open the door and they're just like coming into the house, and she's like, "What the fuck?" And I then mean, it cuts to the horizon, and they're, they're walking yeah. over the horizon. I mean, it's just terrifying. That's the thing. It is like it's such a great scene, but at the same time, ET on the floor in the bathroom on his own, the kids being pulled away from him. Like it's really fucking traumatic. <laughs> I yeah, was like, I'm not okay with this. So it's traumatic, but on the other hand, from their point of view, you get it. There's an alien creature. 
Yeah. Who's levitating things? Who's who's killing this kid? Who's connected himself to the kid such that the kid is feeling what he's feeling and he's dying because he's on the wrong planet? I mean, you know, and so that's why when, when they finally do come in there, they're just asking the questions and the kids are cooperating because it is fucked that there's an alien that they just befriended. It is fucked up. That's why like, I'm not. It's you. Don't, you can't. They're not really antagonistic at that point. But on the other hand, they don't. They they're not enjoying the magic of the fact that it's an alien. Guys, it's a spaceman. They're just like oh my god we need the military we need the spacesuits but the children are just like can't you see this is amazing though okay just allow yourself for one second okay what's your uh my what the fuck is um the reese's pieces pieces the reese's pieces scene so uh um elliot is like dropping the reese's pieces and then you see keys tracking the reese's pieces that's mine as well. We got it. We're, we're on the same page. You go. What, what does he do? He bends down and he looks at them as if he's looking at like droppings or something, as if he's tracking or something. Then he picks one up and then you just hear crunch, crunch, crunch as he fucking eats it. I wrote down, because I didn't know his name at the time, I wrote down, forest man just picks up chocolate from forest floor and eats it. What are you doing? We got the same. We got the two. What the fuck? That is so funny. It's never it. happened. I love it. Yeah. Crazy. No, it's insane. Um, but also everybody loves Reese's Pieces. They do like they do a few. They, there's a lot of stuff out there about how they chose Reese's Pieces in the fact that the alien eats it makes the alien somehow a bit more relatable yeah. than before he ate the Reese's Pieces. And again, the adult being like, but I love Reese's Pieces. Again, it makes the adults somewhat a little bit more human. But from my view, I was like, gross. So gross. The alien also, touched it. I do just want to say, the alien touched it. Never mind the alien touched it. It's on the fucking floor in the forest, in the woods. What are you doing picking food up from the floor in the middle of the night in the woods and eating it? What is wrong with you? I'm not worried about the alien. There's many other shit you should be worried about. Also, I don't know what Reese's Pieces are. I thought they were M&M's. I've, Reese's Pieces No, they peanut thing. butter ones. Reese's okay. Reese's peanut butter cups are just the best treat. It's like a little cup. It's like a peanut butter little thing that comes in a black little sort of paper foil. Um, no, I know what peanut cup. butter cups are, but I don't know and what then, Reese's pieces are. Yeah, and so the pieces are little sort of smarty, but it's peanut butter, so oh, it's chocolate okay. peanut butter thing. They're oh. so good. I love Reese's pieces and Reese's. Mm-hmm peanut butter cups and i just think it's americans and peanut butter love you love that for you okay that's our what the fuck are we done yes we're done good all right let's rate it does it pass the sam's test for gender representation it's not required well i mean it does actually it's children i mean there's four there's there's four main cast members two of them are. but also Two of them are women, and then, well, we only have the girls that are there for the romantic interest. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I'm but not the mom and the daughter aren't. The Drew mom Barry the daughter, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, totally. Not, not, all men, though. Every single authority member is a man. Oh, all some G. of the nurses and doctors are women. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Whatever. So, yeah, I think, yeah. Sometimes this this rating doesn't apply. Like, it, yeah, just, I don't think not, it, I don't think you know, really like, we can, this isn't a criticism. We, we can be bothered. It's not, it doesn't, it's, yeah. it's useless no. for this movie. Okay. Does it pass, here comes the science test? No. 
No, but it can't. But, it, it, mean, again, it just it can't. It can't. Because. Like it's not. We're, they're not claiming to be giving us any actual accurate science or anything like that. So there's no, there's no, nothing, so... there's nothing faulty within it. Okay, well then, what what are you gonna rate it? Four point nine. <gasps> oh my god! I was gonna go four point five, but I think I have to go higher. I'll 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 go with you. I'll go four point nine too. Why not I five? I don't know. I'll no I know why. I know why. I know why. I'm going 4.5 because we reserve 5 for when it's science and it's yeah. like good science and we're just like we learn something like arrival arrival it's like cool yeah. and it's okay, amazing. I'll, so I'll this is an down, amazing movie but I'll come down to 4.5 as well. I think you're right. But we it's don't such really a great movie. Science, it's so although, nostalgic. There's so many things about it but you're right like there's no science to yeah. learn from it really other than no. to just have that fun speculative chat about like what kind of a planet he could have come from and what, you know, just just things yeah. like that and I, I that's a fun sometimes they just like us having those fun conversations as well i think it's really cool to just think about yeah, like what, what we cool. could um expect in these circumstances that we can't possibly know but yeah it's cool and i honestly think the nostalgia in a lot of cases in this movie is just for your own childhood yeah weirdly is kind of it's nostalgia for you for yourself it's um you know, thinking back to when you had sort of great big fantasies of imagining things like that mm-hmm. happening to you that um, we don't we don't dream of that stuff anymore when we're adults. And that's sad. Yeah. And we dream of different things that are boring shit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> An ensuite. <laughs> One day. <laughs> we're going to go buy My a wardrobe tomorrow. How exciting. <laughs> Okay, so that was E.T. And um, the next one is you. It's time to go back to Marvel. Oh. We have to go back to Marvel. I know what it is then. It's Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Yeah. Exciting. Raph's been asking me so many times, what's next? When's the next one? It's been so long since we've done a Marvel because I just kept, I kept like not being able to fit it in. Because it has to go in the bonker science. Like, it's fucking quantum physics. It has to go in the bonker science. Um, okay. Man of the quantum realm. So, finally, we're here. Not quantum mania, Eric. We're not there yet. I watched that with Raph in the movies. I went to quantum mania in the movies. I'm not going to keep doing Marvel movies with you past Endgame. Okay. We went to quantum mania. Yeah. I took Raph and his friend. And it doesn't matter what it is. They love it. Yeah. I was like, did you like it? They were like, I yeah. loved it. I loved it. Kang was incredible. Okay. I thought it was great. The evil guy? Yeah, he was fucking incredible. Yeah, he was pretty good. They liked it. And then I but then the next time I took them I took him and his friends to see Shackleton. The survive the greatest story of survival at Antarctica. And they they just it was like a documentary on this journeyed survival at antarctica uh, and and did, they, did they love that too did they yeah did and they? also it was so funny because i there love was a shackleton bit, but like did they <laughs> this guy recreated the journey just to show and then in the journey he was like glacier's all gone so i can walk down <laughs> <laughs> um but That's in cool. it the the orcas turn up in the movie yeah and <laughs> one of raf's friends loves orcas and it was like his girl crush came on and they were like, Izzy, 
your favorite. <laughs> All kids. And he was like, it's my favorite. They were like, nudge, nudge. All kids. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so cute. Anyways. All right. So join us in two weeks with Ant-Man. But next week, we're on a new mini series, and I don't yes. know what it is. So Aliens. I'm leaving it there. Uh, not aliens movie. It's our it's our science um, history of science fiction, or just science fiction generalization. Oh, because I'm so confused. All right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. So Sorry, the, we basically we, we watched the James Cameron miniseries, The History of Science Fiction, and then we just took the topic of each one and we talked about the movies and our thoughts on its portrayal in science fiction. So the first one is the portrayal of aliens in science fiction. Great. All right. So next week is Aliens and Science Fiction. We're going to discuss, which is actually lots of ET stuff. It's very exciting. Which and we then after that, before it's this. So <laughs> I don't remember what we said about it. But e. there's <laughs> some ET details with the hands. I remember the lady yeah, whose hands it was. Hands, yeah. And um, so more ET stuff next week. And then Ant-Man. And we're right on time. So let's let's finish up there. If you want to get in touch with us, please do. Science at the movies at gmail.com. If you want recommendations, we're also at TikTok at science at the movies. Please, please leave us a review. Leave us a review. We love them. We want we want to hear more reviews because it really helps us become visible and then more people can read, can listen to our podcast. So that's on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. Please leave us a review. If you're a mailman, if you're a firefighter, leave us a review. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye.